Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Glad to see you guys. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. Great to see you guys. If I didn't have a chance to meet you, my name is Samuel. And I'm excited to share this morning. We're taking a break from our, our new normal series. I'm gonna do something a little bit different. And I'm gonna call this Lessons I Learned from My Father. And here's the deal, it's simple. It's things that everybody can do. I think often when it comes to church, we, we go to church for Mother's Day and it's like, moms, you guys are awesome, you're the best, thank you, thank you, wow, great, love you, mom. And then Father's Day comes and it's like, well, here's what you could do and you should probably do this and you could do this and you could maybe do this and you could change it. We're not gonna do that. We're not going to do that. But what I am going to do is just share some things that I got to witness um, my dad do. Now, when I say that, I know some of you, you know that, well, my parents are pastors. When I was born, they were actually missionaries in Mexico. And you're like, well, this, that's, that's, that's going to be a little bit different because that's, of course, God and your dad and that. That's, but here's the deal. These are just some simple things that any and every dad can do or any male figure that's a dad figure in anybody's life can do. So we're just going to kind of share some of those this morning. Yes, I refer to myself in the third person. I don't know why, but I just do it all the time. But it's we and it's really just me, just so you know. But I'm going to start and I'm going to share those. And the first one I want to share is this. Safety last. I don't know what it was for you guys growing up, but that's, that's what it was for me. And for me, that was just normal. I, I thought it was normal that you turned five and you got a BB gun and a pocket knife and were told to go play. Like, that's, that's what we did. And then, and then my friends are like, oh, you know, they were like 12. And they're like, oh, my dad said when I turn 13, I can get a BB gun. And I was like, you don't have one? Like, well, I've got three. And like, this one's, this one, if you pump it up 12 times, I know they say something, 12, ooh, it can really hurt. Oh, man. I got shot, but my brother shot me with, my, with his BB gun. I remember he got in so much trouble, but then I got to play with the BB gun because he couldn't. And I was like, that was worth it. Just so you know, I was like, that was worth it. But don't shoot somebody with a BB gun. That's a bad idea. Don't do it. Anybody. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But that was what was normal for me. Normal for me is we turned 12 and my buddy and I wanted to go camping. And my dad's like, we're like, well, we've done the backyard thing. Like, we want, to, we want to go real camping. And my dad's like, okay, I'll take you guys up to the Manistee National Forest and drop you off for four or five days. And we're like, yes! So we did. We're 12 years old. And so we took our, our food because we were going to live off the land. So we had two cans of SpaghettiOs. <laughs> it did not last. And we ran out of food and we were going to fish and catch it. And, and Caleb caught one fish. He caught a brown trout, a really nice one. But dad came to check on, check on us. And, and he came and he checked, but he found that some of the, our, our food that we're going to live off of, that little brown, brown trout, was at the campsite. So he came and ate it all and left. So he ate our food. And we're like, what in the world? So I remember we'd lay in bed at night. We're just talking about like Burger King. And I'm like, I'd even eat McDonald's. I'm so hungry. We, we basically fasted for four days in the Manistee National Forest. But that was, that was normal to us. We had a huge beech tree behind our house. And when I say huge, um, the base of this thing is probably about like this, and the branches didn't start until probably about the lights in here, the, the, the taller ones here. So you couldn't just climb up it, but the branches would come down, 
and they get close enough to the ground that us kids could grab an end branch and then climb up the branch until you got to some thicker stuff, switch over, get up there. We've got pictures. We had a two and a half story house and we were way above that, 40, 50 feet up in the air at nine and 10 years old, hanging on branches for pictures. Hi, mom. Like that was, that was normal. My mom caught us one time. We had a tarp for one of our tents, like a little dome tent. And I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but they look an awful lot like a parachute. And my mom caught us one time. I had that on the top of the two and a half story roof at the very peak, and I had gotten it up on the roof. I climbed out a window, went up, went around, and I was getting ready to jump. And she's like, I don't think you should do that. So I came down and she goes, before you jump from there, jump off the deck. And the deck was only like 10 or 12 feet. And she let me jump and it hurt. Just so you know, tarps do not double as parachutes, in case you're wondering. But this is how I grew up. This was normal. And I just thought that's kind of how everybody grew up. And then I married Becca and she began to tell me about her dad. And her dad was a little bit different than my dad. Um, where, where my dad was pretty much safety last. He didn't even think of it, like, at all. I remember we were looking at some land, and we were driving down some two tracks, and I asked if I could ride on the roof. And my dad's like, yeah. So I jumped up on the roof of the Burgundy Ford Taurus, and I'm up riding on this thing, and we were going really slow. But we hadn't been on this two track before, and as we're going kind of down this hill, it starts to turn to sand. And my dad's afraid he's going to get stuck. So he starts to speed up. So I'm on the roof and he's speeding up. And I look ahead and I see that the, the road is kind of washed, that the sand stops. So he's speeding up and I'm holding on. And so there's a roof rack and the bar goes across the front. And I see this coming. And so I kind of like slide down between the roof rack, put my feet on the back one and just hold on. We go flying. Then he slams on the brake and we got stuck and I didn't die but that was us. That's just what we did. So Becca, her dad is a doctor, and he's seen somebody die from just about any and everything you can think of, like all of it, like a penny fell on their head. Yep, that, and they've all broken. He's seen it all. So we actually call him, Bruce, if you're watching, hi, we call him Captain Safety. Like that's his name. It's, it's, it's Captain Safety, and he is, he's if I was on this side of the spectrum, he was on this side of the spectrum. Becca, when they would mow the lawn, we would play, when we mowed the lawn, we would play something called Motag. And what that is, is dad would ride the riding lawnmower, and then us kids, our goal was to touch the lawnmower without dad seeing us. And so we would be He'd be riding the lawnmower, and we'd jump out of a tree, and he'd be like, "Woo!" And that means he saw us. And then we had to run around the house, and then we could start again. That's what we played. So Becca, when they would mow the lawn, whoever was mowing was the only one allowed outside. Whoever was mowing the lawn had long pants, long sleeve shirt, boots on, safety glasses, ear protection, and gloves. And I'm like... How do you play Motag? Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, it doesn't even make sense. But there's things that we do that it's just normal for us because of the way that we grew up. And so what I'm going to really do is just talk about some things that we can create some normals for our kids, some things that any and every one of us dads can do, every single one of them. And I want to start with this one. 
And one thing that I saw so much in our family was this, because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so. Maybe you've heard the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's something that my parents really taught us. It says in Psalms 119, verse 5, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And my parents, they, they, they showed us that. No matter what it was, I watched, this, that was just the normal for my dad. Anything that we did, dad had a verse for that. You may have seen the commercials, well, there's an app for that. We grew up way before that, there's a verse for that. So we were getting spanked, and you want to know what? Dad's like, come here. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 3.12, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights. And then dad would take off his belt and be like, here it comes. Like, that was it. Like, this is what it was. If it was doing a job right, then dad was like, okay, we do this. Colossians 3 says it right here. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord and not for people. Dad's like, here it is. So if we were weeding the garden, and when I say garden, we had a garden. We had like a half acre garden. And mom and dad are like, you weed. And we're down there. We, and it was like, you do this as under the Lord. Another thing I absolutely hated that we always had to do, like winter would come, and I'm like, mm. we, lived, we, we lived out in the country, and we had a quarter mile long dirt to gravel driveway, and the plow would come through and push all the gravel into the, into the grass. And so you know what we had to do every spring? We had to rake the gravel out of the grass. Oh, I hated that. I see a plow truck today, and I'm like, you're putting... <laughs> I get that feeling from all the time that we had to spend, and Dad would come out, and he's like, no, we work hardly as under the Lord. There's still grass there. And you're like, and you're getting the gravel out of the grass and moving. It was every single time. When it came to waking up, my parents, especially my dad, he, he wakes up early, like ungodly early. I think he wakes up God. It's, it's not... <laughs> It's not nice. I'm so serious. He just wakes up early and he's like, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, anyways. But that, this was just him. He wanted to, over and over, he would wake up. Now, my room was in the basement from about the time I was 10. So dad would wake up and either go running or biking or he'd go downstairs and he'd start lifting weights. Like every morning. Do I mean every morning? Every morning. Yes. So he'd be down there clanking weights, and I'd be hearing it and try to sleep. So he'd come in, and he'd wake me up. So guess how he'd wake me up? With a verse. There's a verse for that. So I remember Proverbs 26, 14, as the door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns in his bed. And he'd be like, now get out of bed. And I'm like, are you serious? But I remember one morning, he came in, and I was ready for him. I was ready for him. He's like, you get out of bed. He, he, he does one of these verses again. And I remember being like, well, Proverbs also says that even a blessing will be taken as a curse in the early morning. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, it's not early. And I remember I was like, it's, I looked at I could barely see the clock. I go, it's not even seven. It's early. And he waits like five seconds. And my timing was so off because the clock clicks to seven. He goes, well, now it is. Now get up. So up we went and out we went. But this is something that I saw over and over. It was just a part of life. It wasn't because we were, he was a pastor. It was, this is just what we do because we're Christians. It's what we do, this is what we do. And we can teach people whatever we want, but we reproduce what we are. And my parents are like, hey, this is what we're, we got to see from them so much. I like what Albert Einstein said. 
He said, setting an example is not the main means of influencing another. It's the only means. It's the example, the example that we set. And especially when our kids are young, they're, they're watching and they're seeing every, everything we do. Dad was little. We wanted to be doing what he was doing when we were little. Not when dad was little. When we were little. And even the older we got, we saw that. I think I've got a picture of my dad here a second. Oh, yep, there we are. So my dad's in the sh- short shorts there in, in the red. And then my older brother's got his bow. And then there I am with, with my bow. And like if dad was doing it, we're going to be out there. We're doing it too. If we couldn't do it, we still wanted to be involved. I got another picture here. Dad goes out fishing. We're not able to do it. I'm the little one in the suspenders. That's my older brother there. Dad goes out fishing. We lived in Mexico at the time. And we wanted to be in it. We're like, well, what did you do? And we wanted to see it. And that cooler, my parents still have that cooler right now. My mom is like, a little bit of duct tape, but we take care of it. It's not going away. She's still got it. That cooler's probably older than I am. But we want to be a part of it. We're like, if this is what it is, we're going to be a part. That's just something that's there. But so much more is caught than taught. And we reproduce what we are, not what we teach. We can, we, can show, we can try to say, hey, do this. But you've heard it said so many times. When we tell people, do as I say and not as I do, it don't work. It does not work. But there's these simple things that we can do, especially as dads. We, we can be like, well, I'd like to do this, and we'd love to do this. And we can think of the, the, the places that it's fallen short and the trips that we wanted to take. And you know, we made a promise, but finances changed, so things have to change, and we just have to do this. And we can come up with all these things that we've done wrong. But here's the deal. If we've pointed them to God, we've done it right. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things wrong over and over. We're going to make mistakes. But there's so many, there's some little things that we can do to build great habits, to be examples for our kids. The next one is this, never stop learning. My dad said it this way. He goes, if you graduate college today and learn nothing tomorrow, he goes, you are behind. I remember him telling me that. But more than that, I remember the way that he lived. And you, I think I've said this before that my dad, I, I never heard him listen to music. Except one time we were riding in the car and he listened to music once. And it was horrible. He has bad taste when it comes to music. I was so glad he didn't listen to music. And I even remember the name of the group. I doubt it's around anymore because it was that bad. But it was the Winans. Even the name is like, that's not very good. Like it's whining in the name. Like, ooh. Anyways, but we would get in the car and he would listen to when it was tapes, it was tapes. It was CD. It was CDs when CDs came out. I remember he got a car and it had a SD card reader in it. And I'm like, you need to start using this. And he's like, why? I'm like, because I can fit like 40 CDs on that one. And he didn't understand that. And I said, I can fit the entire Bible on this one SD card. And he's like, ooh, okay. <laughs> and then he's like, I'll figure it out, which was a big deal because my dad cannot work a computer. If you see him try, he grabs the mouse and starts doing things, and he looks like a four-year-old. The mouse, he's picking it up and moving it, and he's like, which do you click? And he doesn't know how. But when I told him, I said, I can get the entire Bible on this, he's like, I'll figure it out. Okay, show me what to do. And he learned how he could listen to while he was driving down the road. Because we grew up, and he was reading books. He was listening to books. We'd go on car trips when my dad turned 40, we got a cabin up north, and we would drive up there quite a bit. So when we'd be driving back and forth, he was either listening or mom was reading. 
Mom would read books. I remember mom would fall asleep reading books on these trips. And he's like, hey, wake up. This is a good part. What are you doing? What's happening? What's happening? She's like, what? what? Other times she's like, my voice is just too soft. So then he'd put the CD or the tape in. But he was constantly learning. Got in the market for a, a boat. He wanted a fishing boat. He wanted a pontoon boat that he could go fish in. And I got all excited because he's like, what kind of a stereo does it have? Well, we get the boat. You want to know what he's doing? He is trolling around the lake, and he's got preaching, blaring preaching, as he's just sitting in the boat, happy as can be, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and it's just preaching all the way around the lake, here we go, that, that's just what it was, constantly learning, constantly like, we're going to grow, we would go out hunting, and I watched my dad hunt, I, I enjoy hunting a, a lot, especially deer hunting. We did that quite a bit as a family. We'd watch, watch dad go. Remember, part of dad's hunting gear was a little New Testament Bible that he always kept in the outside pants pocket of his hunting pants. I remember times where he would come running back and he's like, hey, I forgot my Bible, I can't find it. Jeannie, help me find my Bible, where is it? And then she's like, I've got more of them. Here, go give them this one. So he'd lose them and she'd have another one and we'd grab it and we'd put it in and off he goes. I remember we got old enough where we were going out and hunting and my mom goes, okay, here you go. And she gave us our little mini New Testament Bible. I remember I knew exactly where I was going to put it. I put it right in my pants pocket, right on the side, just like that. I'm going to put it right there. And out hunting we went. Man, there's all kinds of things and mistakes that we make but the examples that we set our kids. And I think often it's easy to say, well, if I could do this big thing, it would be so great for my family and for my kids. But we underestimate the power of just doing the right thing over and over and over, just day in and day out, the examples that we get to live and we get to be for our kids. Another thing I so remember from my parents that they taught us was we are givers. I was, we were home educated, and so I remember when it came time to, to learn how to write checks and stuff, mom's like, come here. She brought me in, we sat down, she's like, you're going to help me, and every week you're going to write the tithe check. So we wrote the tithe check. So I, she's like, okay, do this, and I learned how to do checks writing our tithe check when it was easy and when it wasn't. I remember the Christmas where mom and dad are like, we, we're not we're not going to get a Christmas tree this year. And they're like, we're just warning you, don't ask for much for Christmas. We'll see what comes. And we didn't. We didn't have a Christmas tree that year. Mom took some garland and, and pinned it to the wall in the shape of like an a elongated triangle and, she's, and put some lights around it. And she's like, that'll be our Christmas tree. And she's like, oh, I'll make it fun. And we had, do you remember the computer paper that you'd pick up one sheet and it was just like, it was connected with the dots on the side. It would just keep going and going and going. Well, she took a few of those pages from the printer, and she's like, okay, I want you guys to color a trunk. So we're like, this isn't fun. She's like, yes, it is. It'll be fun. So we're coloring the trunk of the tree because she had that garland on the wall, and we put the trunk on the tree, but when we put the little paper trunk on the tree, it covered up the outlet so we couldn't plug in the lights. So the lights plugged into the trunk, and there's, ah, there it is. So there were times where it was hard. I remember that, but we didn't stop writing those tithing checks. It was like, this is what we're going to do. But it wasn't just, okay, this is it, and, and this is the church, and this is that, and, and we're pastors, and this is what we do, this is what the Bible says to do. And they lived it out. I remember we had some people come and live with us. 
a woman named Lynn. I was, a, I, was, I was quite little, and Lynn came and lived with us. And I just remember Lynn is mean, okay? This is how the story goes, because this is the truth. I just remember Lynn was mean. Um, I was little. I remember asking mom, I'm like, why is Lynn living with us? And they just, mom and dad, and they're like, um, she needs help. So Stephanie, my sister, moved out of her room, and Lynn had that room, and she lived with us for quite a while. And why was she mean? Let me just tell you how mean Lynn was. She would make cookies. And let me just say, when you make cookies, when they come out of the oven, that's when you eat them. Milk is designed to put out the fire because it's too hot because you're eating them. And that's just what we did growing up. Like, you eat them right away. But Lynn wouldn't let us. We would, like, reach for the cookies, and she'd whack our hands, be like, you have to wait for them to cool. We're like, no. And then Dad would come home, and he'd be like, boys, let's eat. We'd all go in there, and she'd be like, what are you doing? Lynn was mean. I remember another time she vacuumed, and I got in trouble for walking through the house. And I'm like, what? And my feet weren't dirty. My feet weren't even dirty, but she wanted the, the vacuum marks to stay in the carpet. And I'm like, what are you talking? So then we were trying to jump from furniture to furniture, and she didn't like that either. And I was like, oh, Lynn was mean. <laughs> okay. But mom and dad, this is, this is what they did. She lived with us for quite a while. Another couple that ended up living with us is there was an older Mexican couple. They only spoke Spanish, but they needed something. And I was too old, I was too young, not old enough to really understand the why or probably to even need to know the why they were living with us or the circumstances of it. But you want to know what I remember? Mom and dad opened up the house. It wasn't easy. It wasn't convenient. But we had enough room. We could make it work. And so my parents gave. They used what they had. They leveraged it for the kingdom of God, even when it wasn't easy. Remember, Lynn went on vacation with us. Well, not vacation. We actually went down to Mexico to check out some stuff, and there was going to be some preach, do some preaching down there, and there's an orphanage we were going to go see. And Lynn went on vacation with us. We all piled in the van, and we drove to Mexico. That's not easy. But I remember I got real excited because we left Lynn in Mexico. And I was like, yes, more room in the van on the way back. We got down there, and she fell in love with what was going on at the orphanage and decided that she was going to stay. There's so much I don't remember. But man, I remember that my parents opened up their home. Like, this is what we're going to do. The Mexican couple that lived with us, I don't remember the why. I don't know exactly what. But my parents opened up their home. And man, Sarah, she could make the best tamales in the world. They were so good. You want to know why I love tamales? It's because Sarah's tamales were amazing. But it's the example. It's the example that we do. It's not, there, big things are wonderful. I love it. But so often, the huge, what we're looking for comes from just small things that we do over and over and over. And I got to watch my parents be stewards of what God gave them. Another thing I watched my parents do so much was this, is we're Christians, so we go to church. Like, we go to church. Like, we went on vacation. We were in Colorado. We went to church. We went to visit my mom's sisters in Kansas. We went to church. Like, that's just what we did. And it was never because my dad never said, well, we're pastors. He's like, this is what Christians do. Like Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you want to be a part of what, the, what God is doing, he's like, we're going to be a part of building the church. So we just were. This was just, this is what was normal. We would go to church. Over and over, we'd go to church. Hebrews 10.24 says, and let us consider one another 
in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling together, not, not forsaking going to church as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day, the day of the Lord approaching. He's like, it's more important that we go to church, not less. Always, we, we went to church. Now, I remember one time the family was sick and you couldn't stream it. That's not how it went. So we were sick. We weren't able to go to church. So you know what we did? We did church. I remember we did church. My mom set it up and we're sitting there at home. My little brother took an offering. Like we did church. Like that's just, that's just what we did. It's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be a part of it. And when I say church, we do churches. This is the body of Christ. Church is not a building. It's us. It's believers when we come together. We did church. And let me say this. If, if you override church for other things and never override other things for church, you're sending a clear message. Say it like this. If you override the things of God for other things, but never override those other things for the things of God, the message we're sending is crystal clear. It's crystal clear the message we're sending to our kids. Sports is great, but if we never override sports for the things of God, what we're teaching them is that the sports are the most important. The dance recital is the most important. The opening day of hunting season is the most important. It's what is it? It's that, well, the weather is nice. Well, we invested in this, and well, well while the weather's this, and our family time is more important than the things of God. Our family time is more important than church, of getting together. We need to. We need to. We, we watched it over and over. It didn't matter. February, excuse me, November 15 is a very important day. Some of you know exactly what that is. Those of you that don't, I don't know what's wrong with you, but November 15 is the opening day of gun season. And I don't know if you know this, but the calendar changes. So that day moves. But if it fell on a Wednesday, we had Wednesday church, we were going to be at church. If it fell on a Sunday, we would hit it the next. I never watched. As much as I watched, loved, my dad loved hunting. They bought hunting land so that as a family we could go hunt. And, and I still do like, hey, we do this, and the family all goes up, and, and we do some hunting and stuff. But the calendar doesn't dictate whether we hunt or not. Opening day didn't matter. It was okay. We're going to be, we build the kingdom of God because we are the church. We go to church to get fed. We go to church to serve. We go to church to worship. We go to church to meet other people, to be a part of the body of Christ. Like this is what we get to do. We are the church and we exist for the world. We're not going to put it on pause because of anything. We're, we're not going to do that. And I watched my parents over and over not do that. They would rearrange schedules, move things around, but over and over we saw them. Another thing I watched my father do over and over, one thing he taught us was this one, is he said this, our exceptions will become our children's normal. He said, our exception will become our children's normal. I think a great example of that is you look at the 1950s, household debt here in America was pretty much nothing. Household debt was pretty much nothing. In 2020, household debt in America surpassed $14.5 trillion dollars. Our grandparents were hesitant to borrow. 
our parents slightly. Generation Z, they said that 18 to tw- the average 18 to 23-year-old has $16,000 in debt already. Our exceptions become our children's norms. I want my children to know what I value and why I value it so that they can see what it is. Another thing that I think my parents did so, so well is this, is they exposed us to the things of God. They exposed us to the things of God. You've probably heard us say there is no junior Holy Spirit. That's not something that my parents ever said, but I watched them live it out. And here's what I mean. We were invited and we were brought in to the things of God. Whether it was a prayer meeting, and we might call some of these some small groups, and God was moving, my parents would go out of their way to include us. We were never pushed out and told, hey, you don't get to be a part of this. If God was moving, we were brought in. If there was a worship service and mom and dad are like, you know, we think the kids need to be on this, we went to it. And they they brought us in. Some of it was just the fact of being at church. They're like, you're going to be there. And we want you to be surrounded by the things of God. And so some of that is just, it was just being there. We were in youth group. We were in those worship services. We were there. And other times, it was making way for us. I remember we had a guest speaker. His name was Dave Duell. And... He had been praying for people, and so we got invited in. And so he's praying for people, and I watched him pray for people. And I was maybe eight, seven, eight, nine. I couldn't have been more than nine. But I watched him pray for people. I watched people get healed, and I watched some of them fall down. And I remember I was just like, I want to get prayed for. So I walk up to my dad, and I totally lied, and I go, my stomach hurts. Can I get prayed for? And my dad, I don't think for a second he thought I was sick, but he goes, yes, absolutely. And he brings me over just a little bit of ways away, and he goes, Dave, he would like to get prayed. And I walked up and I said, will you pray for me? He didn't say, oh, you don't need it. He said, oh, he didn't say, oh, that's fake. Oh, not you. Oh, somebody else is in line because there was a line of people waiting to get prayed for. Nope, he got me in it and got me over there. I remember saying, yeah, I'm not feeling good. I remember looking up at this kind of jolly older guy, and he just smiles at me, and he goes, well, I'm going to pray for you. And remember, he begins to pray, and then I woke up on the ground. And I'm a little kid laying on the ground. I'm like, why am I on the ground? And I was like, oh, and I just kind of like ran off. And I was like, well, that was a little bit weird. But I wasn't, I wasn't told I don't belong. And you know what? Not only did I didn't fool my dad, you want to know who else I didn't fool? I didn't fool God. But God met me right where I was. And God touched me. And I've been prayed for many times, and I've seen people fall, I've seen people get pushed, I've been pushed. But I still remember not only the other times, but I remember that. I remember God just met me right where I am. If Jesus told adults, you must become like a little child, then why do we tell children, you can't come here, you you can't understand this yet, when it's us who needs to become like them? We were invited in. If somebody was being prayed for, it's like, hey, get in here. And it wasn't a, you watch this, it's a participate. And then we would join in and we were a part of it. When there was prayer meetings, we were a part of it. When things that were were going on, mom and dad didn't hide it from us. They're like, hey, look what God did here. And this person got healed and we're going to share it. I remember a, a, a birthday that for my birthday, I got a box of CDs, just weird, weird different CDs. And I go, dad, Thank you so much. I was the only one who had a CD player in, in our house. And so I got the CDs. And I, had to, I had one, and I think my parents were probably pretty tired of hearing it. So they gave me this box of CDs, and there's a bunch of them in here. 
And, and dad gave it to me, and he goes, just so you know, he goes, things are tight right now, and you weren't going to get a birthday present, but somebody came up to me and, and blessed us with those. So now you get those. They gave credit to God. Dad didn't just say, oh, yep, these are yours, but they told us the stories. They told us the stories of God's faithfulness in our own life that we would have never heard. We would have never heard. He's like, that's where these came from. Somebody blessed us with them. That, this, this birthday gift, you need to say thanks to God. They were weird CDs. Don't get me wrong. It, was, it wasn't my style of music. But I so remember that. I remember where I was as I opened up the box and looked through it. We were exposed to the things of God. It wasn't hidden away from us. Another time we had a guy who came to the church and he was sharing. And he had been... He had been blown up, basically, by a grenade, a shrapnel grenade, and he was going around sharing, and they had put his body back together, but not all of it was quite the way it was supposed to be, and one of the things was he lost an eye, and he had prayed and asked God to heal his eye. Well, God didn't heal his eye. He had a fake eye, but the thing was, he could see out of his fake eye, and my dad tells me this. They're like, this guy's coming, and so they brought me into that service. Now, there was always a children's service going on, always. Anytime there was an adult service, there was a kid's service going on, there was ministry happening there. But they brought me into this one. And I remember I was sitting right behind this guy. And there I was, I was a little kid, and I got so excited that he was going to take his eye out that I asked him before he, I, I couldn't wait till he actually did it up there. I said, I, I tapped him on the shoulder, and he turned around. I go, I go, are you going to take your eye out? And he goes, yeah. And I go, will you? So he goes, like, and he pops his eye out, and he gives it to me. And I dropped it. And I'm like, oh no. And he just grabs it and picks it back up. And he's, he's totally fine with it. And I'm like, can you see? And he covers up this one. And he's got a hole right here. And I hold up fingers. And he begins to tell me how many fingers I'm holding up. I don't remember a single word he said from the stage. I don't even remember him taking his eye out on the stage. I remember something about a deck of cards that they did. But you want to know what I really remember? is that he talked to me and that I got to witness a miracle that God performed in his life. It wasn't hidden away from me. I got exposed to the things of God, told what God was doing and how he was moving in our family and on our life, and it put a hunger in me for those things. It put a hunger in me. I was like, I know that this is real, I've experienced it. I've been a part. I have witnessed it. The Bible says it this way, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's a little bit of cookie that you have and you have a little bit of it and you're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. I'll take the whole thing. Give me the box. It's that with the things of God that we get them exposed to it when, they're, when we were young and over and over the opportunity was there. The opportunity was there. We got exposed to it over and over and over. We get this opportunity. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make all kinds of mistakes. In fact, I remember my little brother actually told my parents this one time. He was in his teenage years. I don't remember exactly how old he was, but he told my parents. He said this. He goes, I am going to obey, but not because you did anything. You, you raised me right. He's like, it's because I love God, not because you're great parents. And I'm just, I look at that now and I'm like, well, those are your great parents because you do love God. You do realize that, right? But anyways, he, he, he didn't at the time. But here's the thing. We're all going to make mistakes. There's so many things that we're going to get wrong. 
But if we can point them to God, point them to God's word, may my kids make none of the mistakes I do. May they do so much better and come up with their own mistakes. I'm going to make them. You're going to make them. But there's little things that we can do. If you make a mistake, it's over, it's done. Yesterday is over. Tomorrow never comes. All you've got is today. I say, this is what I'm going to do today. We don't cry over spilled milk because crying doesn't fix it. It doesn't do anything. Then you're just thirstier. Like it didn't, uh. So let's, let's not dream about what we could do tomorrow. Maybe there's some small things that we can begin to do today. The examples that we can live out. It's not super, it's not amazing, but the results are amazing. When we just do little things, because here's the thing, our kids, they're watching. Kids are watching. You don't have kids? Other kids are watching. You're a grandma, you're a grandpa. The kids are watching. They're all watching. They soak it all up. They soak it up. And let me just say this. Whether you're a parent, a dad, dad to be, let me just say this. This is for every single one of us. You can do everything God's called you to do. You have all the time, all the energy, and all the resources. You can do it. You can do it. God has not called you to anything he will not also equip you to do. You can do it. And in the areas you can't, guess what? We are weak, but he is strong. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you just rely on him. You, you can do it. The situations you're in, we talk about it. God, speak. Ask him. He will. He'll show you ways out. You have to maybe deal with some consequences of actions? Absolutely. But here's the deal. God loves you. He's a heavenly father. He loves you perfectly. He knows everything you've ever done. And like I said earlier, he's already taken care of the bad. He says, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I sent his, he sent his son to die so we could live free. I want to pray over you. Would you guys, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? I'd like to pray over you. God, we come before you this morning. I, I pray right now, God, for every dad, every parent, every father figure that's in here who has influence and a voice into a child's life or a teen's life. God, I thank you for giving them wisdom and understanding as they speak supernatural knowledge, as they speak into and encourage the children, the teens that are in their lives, that they would, God, they would grow to be men and women of God that seek after you with all their heart, soul, and mind. They would worship with all that you've given them in Jesus' name. Would you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? If you're here this morning, or maybe you're online, you say, you know what? I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but today I'm going to. Today is the day. I want a relationship with him. I don't want, I don't want to wonder what's going to happen when I die. And I'm done trying to earn it for myself. I just want what God has done for me. If that's you, or maybe you're here and you say, there's a time I was living for God, but I turned my back on him. Today is your day. We can pray, and when you say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and the purpose that he has for you. If that's you, then what I want you to do is on the count of three, lift your hand, and we're gonna pray right in your seat when we say amen. Your destiny is sealed. Your relationship is new. And you can begin to walk out the plan God has for you. One, two, three. Right now, lift it up high and say, that's me, and today is my day. Awesome. Put that hand down. Let's go ahead and let's just pray. Everybody in this room, online, wherever you are, let's pray this together. Repeat after me if you would. Say, Jesus, thank you 
for dying for me, for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.